1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I'm joined by Grenham and Nicole. But today we have a very special guest, Sam Sheehan, aka Nice Sheehan, I believe on Twitter now. What happened <laughs> to your original account? Like, I, I know it got shut down, but I, I did not
0: see why. I, I've been telling everyone it's because I was uh, harassing Andrew Cuomo, but that's not what happened. It, it was actually multiple. You know, that's that's always the way you watch your account to go out.
1: We're coming to everybody after a really good win for the Celtics. They uh, beat the beat the Denver Nuggets. First game on a road trip. Started off really cold from the field. Couldn't make anything from three point range for the first three ish quarters and then really poured it on in the fourth quarter after Nikola Jokic went out. Continued pouring it on when he came back in. Nikola Jokic quite literally quit on the game. It was it was bizarre to watch. And the Celtics pulled out a really comfortable win. I thought this was one of the Celtics' better wins of the season. Where, where do you guys kind of land on it?
0: My knee-jerk reaction, what I'm kind of trying to parse out, is how much of this was a Denver loss and how much of this was like a Celtics win. And I think it's both, you know what I'm saying? Like I mean, I think the Celtics had to be in that game and gut it out to take advantage. Like They were down, what, 14? 12 something like that at the end of the third quarter and you know the shots were not falling the third quarter I thought we were coasting towards another loss that you know there was that same offense we've seen time and time again where Shots are going up within five seconds of crossing half court. Guys draped all over them. You know, nothing was really working. And then kind of to end the third quarter, um, the Nuggets turned the ball over five straight times. That was kind of the turning point of the game, because after that time, Celtics got momentum back from the bench unit. When the Denver starters came back in, they couldn't do anything either. So I think it was equal parts. I don't want to really totally give credit to the Celtics, because I think this was an incredible quit job by the Nuggets. I mean, they just totally let go of the rope. Like, this was not a 20-point blowout loss, but a win is a win at the end of the day. And I do think the Celtics, while they might not have it might not have been the 20 point effort, like 20 point blowout. This will show up like in the box scores later on. I think this is, you know, a solid win where they did beat the nuggets at mental fortitude. Um, and I think that's the important part of this, and probably gonna be one of the Celtics assets, especially when it comes to playoff time.
2: Definitely, especially when you consider like how poorly the Celtics mental fortitude has been this season, and mm-hmm. how much Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens have talked about resolve and just confidence. The fact that they were able to win this game, I think, is big in that regard. Like uh there's there's a stat that the Celtics were 3-20 and this season when entering the fourth quarter with the deficit, and they've now won three straight games in such situations. Obviously, it sucks and it is reflective of this team that they are in those situations, but the fact that they're finally gutting out the wins, I think they outscored the Nuggets 31-8 to in the fourth quarter. Like, that's just an anomaly, probably, but... They still won. And like you said, I think Brad Stevens will say the same thing, like a win is a win. It's a zero sum game. They need all the wins they can get at this point. So it definitely is a positive.
3: Yeah, I mean, I do think that the Denver collapse is quite an anomaly. Like you don't often have an opponent score eight points for the last 15 minutes of the game. But there have been plenty of occasions this year where this Celtics team has an opponent that's just asking them to come back and win a game. And the Celtics haven't been able to do it. They've been searching for that resolve. I feel like that's been the buzzword. But they actually did step on the gas and and kind of step up when they needed to today. The Nuggets are very bad without Jokic on the court. Their bench is in very, very rough shape, which I didn't really fully realize until today. But yeah, I mean, I thought the Celtics were really good in the fourth quarter. They were getting the rim. They weren't settling as much as they have at times this season. So the fact that they were putting the ball on the floor, getting to the hoop, and they actually took
1: advantage of an opponent just kind of falling apart. That's all positive. You know, it's a good win. And I would say, too, like, you know, to the point about them winning the fourth quarter, 31 to 8, they also won the second quarter and the third quarter. Like, they hung tight after just a truly abysmal and through and a a truly abysmal shooting night from three-point range. They finished like 21% from three-point range. So it wasn't even really like, you know, that the numbers normalized, which is what I said in the group text. So you guys can yell at me about that. The numbers did not normalize. I was wrong. They actually just like kept bricking everything, but they started going to the hoop. Tatum really took over. And I think importantly, he got to the line eight times, made all eight of them. You know, those are, I think those are all really encouraging things. So it wasn't just that they poured it on at the end. It wasn't just that Nikola Jokic quit so hard that, his coach removed like the presumptive MVP at this point um, from the game down the stretch. I I think the Celtics have won five of six now. I think there's from a big picture perspective, I think there is some you know some some real reason for optimism. And that whole stretch has come since the trade deadline. So like the shakeup does seem to have affected some things. Like I'm not saying like Daniel Tice was the problem, but maybe just kind of like giving the Celtics a little jolt and like a little shock to the system was kind of something they needed.
0: Or just robbing Brad Stevens, uh, you know, kind of creating a hierarchy when it comes to you know, who's going into the game in the rotations um, I think has been a huge part of this. And, you know, trading Daniel Tice, I think while Tristan Thompson was unavailable, kind of forced starter Robert Williams, which has been a mixed bag. You know what I'm saying? Came out of the game really hot recently, you know, and in the Philly game, you know, not quite as, you know, effective, but Tristan Thompson, I think looks a lot better against bench units. You know, I don't think he struggles as much. It lets him play to his strengths a little bit more to be with those bench units. I don't, I I think my big takeaway from today is one of the things I can't stand about the Celtic season is when they get in those stretches where the clogged toilet offense and just nothing is working. And that's, I think one of the things that you can kind of fairly criticize Brad on is that there's not really an offensive scheme to be spoken of (laughs) like uh, about this Celtic season. And you can see, you know, read and react sounds good until, you know, it's not working and then you would just have no structure. The Celtics gutted this out by, even though the offense and the shots were not falling, I mean, that third quarter was abysmal. (laughs) And they did it with a much maligned bench unit coming in against probably, you know, a more maligned bench unit, but Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, like these guys kind of turned the game on its head a little bit by just playing with energy, playing engaged. And, you know, doing some things, you know, Romeo took some charges. Uh, Grant was, I'm sure Grant's box score line is not going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be like zero, a lot of zeros in there, but he played some, you know, frustrating defense on Nicole Jokic and I think was kind of the gasoline on his self-combustion.
1: And, and to your point, yeah, he was one for three, zero for one for three, zero, 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 you know, all over the place, plus 23. Yeah. There
0: you go. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's the thing about the post-trade deadline, to your point, is I think these lineups just make a lot more sense. And you're not getting into this thing where, you know, the starters, when they don't have it, they're going to the bench unit and the bench just falls apart. You don't have these semi-Ogillet featured offense units. You can kind of mix more people in. Even though we didn't get to see much of Fournier before he went out, I think he's going to fit pretty well with what this team has. And I don't know. I think this is going to be a really good team. They're going to – I th- I think the Celtics team is going to round into a team that is – very deserving of the four seed, not just like based on their record. And I think they are going to be ready to put a scare on, you know, whichever of these higher seeded teams there is. You know, I don't think this is going to be the cakewalk in the playoffs. I don't think this is going to be a play-in team like it seemed like they might have been prior to the trade
3: deadline. I I mean, I think a major point that you kind of noted was staying engaged even when things are going poorly like they started off really really cold and instead of kind of falling off on both sides of the floor or letting that poor offensive side dictate the defensive side of the floor which we saw a lot from this team pre-trade deadline like I think they've done a really good job staying engaged and some of that might be the younger guys maybe getting more time as opposed to having to turn to maybe like a Jeff Teague or something like that where you're right it kind of does force these lineups into what seems like better situations and they've put out better products and like you said Romeo Langford Very similar to Grant Williams. He was one of three in 15 minutes. He was plus 18, like useful, valuable time out there. These are some trends that this team didn't have earlier in the season.
1: One thing that's interesting about what what Sam was saying is that, like, it does feel like since that, like, you know, obviously trading Tice sort of normalized the Celtics lineups, right? Like it just made everything make a little bit more sense. It's strange to me that largely the same team minus Daniel Tice, you know, like have just all of a sudden seems to kind of have it together. And maybe some of that, maybe Tatum's getting healthier, you know, after COVID, maybe, maybe it could be a million things. I I did wanna I did want to touch on the Rob Williams thing because uh you mentioned the Sam, you mentioned the the Sixers game. He was really, really bad. And I felt like that bad stretch almost affected him over the next couple of games. Like he was kind of mediocre. (laughs) Tristan Thompson was way better for another game or two. And I was starting to wonder if Brad was going to flip flop those guys into the starting lineup. Uh, But Brad stuck with Robin and he was, he was quite good tonight. So Um, I thought that was definitely an encouraging sign for Rob that he kind of shook off a tough performance and then maybe a couple more that, you know, a couple more tough performances that might have been related. I mean, Rob is just
0: such a feel player. Rob doesn't get enough credit for how good his basketball feel is. You know, when Rob's got to think about stuff is when some of the stuff comes kind of comes out. Like when he starts thinking about, should I be jumping here? Honestly, that's what got him out of rhythm with the 76ers and why the Sixers are such a bad matchup for him you know, Embiid is what, on pace to break Wilt Chamberlain's single season free throw record or something like that. Like if I were Brad Stevens next time they played the Sixers, I would start Tristan Thompson just because you've got to keep Rob away from that and getting in foul trouble. And I I thought Rob got, you know, one to two bogus calls early and then he just kind of fell apart. Like he he picked up that one leaping out of Corkmaz. That was his third. And then it was kind of over from there. That kind of carries over. You know what I'm saying? Like that carried over to multiple games where now Rob's thinking like, shoot, do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? Rob's just gotta be Rob. And when Rob's just Rob, you know, he's a five by five threat on any given night and like can really turn games around. You know, I do think that it is a little bit more like matchup dependent with some stuff, but I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I think Rob's gonna factor in heavily if the Celtics see the Bucks, and I think he's gonna have, you know, factor in heavily if the Celtics see the Nets, to be honest, like mm-hmm. with Kevin Durant. It was gonna be interesting to see. I think you're gonna need uh, a Rob Williams who's comfortable and not thinking about things kind of in rhythm um, when it comes to playoff time so that I wouldn't take him out of the starting lineup. And I think he just fits a lot better. I mean, he's an insanely efficient player on like what 15% usage or something like that. I think it's lower than Tristan Thompson. So they have like identical usage. And it, I, I, I think that the Celtics need to ride out Rob because I think it's clear that he a fits better with the starters and B gives this team a higher ceiling in the long run.
3: Tom's the biggest Tristan Thompson fan you'll ever see. So he's gonna, he's gonna disagree with you. <laughs> Tom actually claimed that Taco. Is a better defender on Joel Embiid than Tristan Thompson after that Sixers game. He's got which, a point. which, which <laughs> I stand by which that take, man. I was I just will... gonna say isn't an outrageous take, but it is a wrong take. It is a wrong take. That's a Tom take I'll never get over.
0: I'll never yeah. <laughs> I think I think Tristan Thompson, just by the numbers, is quite literally this season the absolute worst Joel Embiid defender. So he has been a disaster against yeah. Joel Embiid.
1: And I stand <laughs> I think- by my taco take.
0: Oh. <laughs> 100%. You just need somebody to go stand in front of Joel Embiid and pick up the fouls that will happen. Cuz the, the other thing about that that Sixers game that really kind of disheartened me is Joel Embiid was not moving well and it still went that way. You know, like yeah, Joel definitely. Embiid is clearly still not 100%. It didn't go great. So I'm not quite as confident against the Sixers as I might have been before. You know, I'm I'm a little worried that my guy Tobias Harris, Celtics MVP Tobias Harris, has not been helping with Celtics as much as he has in the past. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, um, you don't want to get ahead of yourself with these matchups. I, I do think I am feeling pretty good about the Celtics ending up with the four seed um, at this point. I, I do think when it's all said and done, the Celtics will claw their way into home court in some flavor.
2: Sam, you sound a lot more confident. I think in this team than I was initially expecting. Is this new, or have you just never really gotten too low on this team? Like, what's the experience been like for you?
0: I'm I'm totally jokerfied when it comes to this team. I <laughs> I am extremely jokerfied. I feel some days I feel like. It Really is just such a roller coaster. I, I've tweeted after games and meant it, and I still might mean it somewhere in my soul that we're going to win the championship. <laughs> like, I've, I've tweeted that we've been literally under 500. Like, okay, we've we got it. We're going to win the championship. And then other days, you know, you have one win against the six, well, one loss against the Sixers, who were like very good. And like, you know, you were, it was an abysmal three point shooting night. Like, there's a couple of things that could have gone different. You would have been right in the game. And I'm like, okay, we got a 10. Like we, 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 we need to flip paces with the Raptors. There's no way. So I I don't know. I do think it's matchup dependent. The Celtics are going to need a lot more luck than they will most years. I have a hard time seeing them or uh, quite frankly anybody having a chance against a healthy Nets. But you know you never know. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the Raptors got their championship. You know, getting lucky with Warrior stuff. So you never know. You just get to the playoffs and plays in front of you. I do think the Celtics are kind of built. For the playoffs, if that makes sense, their offense comes and goes. Their three-point shooting is hot and cold, but they can get it when they want it. They are able to score in isolation. They can't defend. Like, that's the most baffling thing about the Celtics season is I I have no idea what to make of the Celtics defense. Like, I cannot understand how they're a bad what have they been like top 10 every year since Brad came here? They were top three with Amir Johnson and Jared Sollinger holding down the paint one year. So like, it's, I, I, I have such a hard, I really think it just has to be accredited to mental fatigue and guys just being like this COVID season, uh, you know, getting exhausted and tuckered out when it comes to that stuff. But I think the important things that the Celtics can play a lot of different styles. They've got a lot of different guys that throw at people, especially with Evan Fournier and Romeo Langford back. They've got kind of a lineup for everything you know how effective it'll be remains to be seen but you know between Robert Williams Tristan Thompson Grant Williams you know all of these guys they've got a lot of big versatility Cornette gives them you know If you need a pick and pop guy, like he could see some minutes. Like, I don't know. I just, I like their versatility. I think that this team's been in the playoffs before, been deep in the playoffs before. And I just kind of trust them to make a real run. You know, I think if they could avoid Miami in the first round, that'd be really good for them. And I think, you know, you just kind of, whatever happens, happens in the second round. It's it's probably going to come down to three-point shooting and who's healthy. You know, the playoffs usually do. You know, hopefully Kemba's ready to go. Nobody's in COVID protocol. But I, I really don't think the Western Conference. I have a take, by the way, that the Western Conference isn't as good as everyone thinks it is. Yeah, I like I, I that take. Any of the like top three teams in the East, and honestly, even though <laughs> any of the top three teams in the East, I, like, would you be shocked if they beat the Lakers? Like, would you be shocked if the Bucs beat the Lakers? I yeah. wouldn't. No. Are
1: you
2: the Celtics, Sam?
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. yes, I think the Celtics you have to do cool.
1: it. When the Warriors imploded, there seems to be sort of a push to have there be, like, a, another, like, juggernaut team. And I just don't think the Lakers are that juggernaut. Like, I, they're yeah. they're a very good team. They're 100% capable of winning the championship again. But
0: And, I'm, I mean, you've seen the baton pass from the Lakers to the Nets sort of as the, you know, the Lakers get banged up. And, you know, James Harden moves to the Nets. And, you know, they're winning all of these games with one guy out. Like, now you've got these articles like, is it fair for Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge to be on the next? <laughs> it's like, I, I'm okay with it, man. No. <laughs> yeah, that, it's, it's, it's fine if they want to have LMA and Blake on that team. It's uh, Nick Claxton's going to be out there when it matters, I, I think. So. <laughs> Shout out to Bruce Brown and Nick Claxton. I mean, that's that's who it is. You know, if it's Joe Harris. Like, I, I don't know. But I should have vetoed the Bruce Brown trade. That was illegal. That's, that's, that's where things got out of hand there.
3: Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast.
1: Two stats that I think are pretty interesting over the last 10 games. Sam, you made a point about their defensive rating. Um, it's 111.4 it's, uh, this season per the NBA stats, which isn't great. Over the last 10 games, it's 106.3. And their net rating is 7.9, which is the net rating, like the type of net rating that you generally see from teams that could make, you know, a longer playoff run. Not at all unrelated to that. Over the last 10 games, Jason Tatum, 29.4 points, 49.5% from the field, 39% from three, 94% from the free throw line, eight rebounds, you know, almost, almost four assists. He's playing a lot better. And I, I don't think that's a coincidence that the Celtics look a lot better. And I also don't think it's a coincidence that we're probably getting further and further away from his COVID absence. I mean, I don't know for sure, but it sure seems like that's probably not unrelated to uh, to everything that he's gone through.
0: No, no, I think, honestly, like, kind of the way that I know, like, Jason Tatum's, like, a real superstar is, you know, outside of that, what was it, the Charlotte game when he had the huge night? Outside of that game, I mean, it just feels so casual. I never feel like Jason Tatum, like, wow, he's had a great game today. It's more just like, oh, he's doing his thing. And then I look up at this, you know, scoreboard and it's like 28, <laughs> you know, 28 and 10 or whatever, whatever it is. Like, so, I mean, even the Nuggets game today, like what he it felt like he was having a bad game. <laughs> like he missed a lot of shots. Like he shot, what, he shot like 24 times, 27 times, something like that. It was a lot. I can't 23. remember. Yep. Yeah. 23, yep. Okay. 23. Yeah, he shot 23 times. Well, he, hit, he hit like seven from the field, but he ended up, for however many it was for the field, But he ended up, you know, 20 and 10. I know he had 10 rebounds, however many points he had. And the Celtics got the win. So I don't know. Like, even when it feels like Jason Tatum's having a bad game or like they'll have these stretches where he takes over and that kind of goes away. You know what I'm saying? I think what you know, where we kind of get these media narratives about, you know, Jason Tatum doesn't want to be here, la, 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 is because I think as you alluded to correctly, Tom, you know, this is a guy who had COVID earlier this year and he does kind of come and go in and out of games. And, you know, the shot selection kind of, you know, it it can look like someone who's pretty disinterested. I'm not going to pretend I know what's going on because I don't, but, you know, I I think that it's a lot easier to think of, it's just a guy who's tired. (laughs) Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, not making some great choices when it comes to being tired and having breathing stuff. I think that's just as likely, if not more likely than he hates the city of Boston. He wants to uh, burn down the Hancock building. So I don't know. I I think the Celtics are in good shape. And again, I really do think they're going to be the four seed. And write the Celtics off at your own discretion. I know that like a lot of teams, when you're hovering around 500, that's a death sentence for the playoffs. But we've also never had a season like this.
3: It makes a lot of sense that this team could actually match up and grab the four seed because I don't trust Charlotte to hang around without any legitimate offensive firepower going forward and I trust the Celtics more to pick up their defensive end of the game to kind of outmatch the Hawks down the stretch and so I yeah I really do think as speaking from someone who has been very down on this team for quite some time I do think they have a real shot to grab home court I think that's a very realistic possibility yeah
0: I mean I think the Celtics are gonna get the four seed but the unfortunate news there is I think the Heat probably will be the team that ends up with fifth. I, I, I think that that's where this is heading. And we're heading for some sort of, you know, Knicks, Hawks, Hornets, Bulls play. And we'll see. We'll definitely see. I think what's, what's important about this win today is it was a win against a good team. <laughs> there has not been a lot of those this year and, you know, a, a very good team, like a, a team that in its current configuration is a good team. I mean, they were missing Jamal Murray you know, it's not like sometimes some of these games where the Celtics are like beating a winning team. It's like coming at like a weird, like back to back or something like that. Nuggets are the best team in basketball. I think like over like the last, pretty much since the trade deadline, whether it was a 10 game winning streak or something like that. And you know, they've looked lights out since Aaron Gordon joined the team. I, I mean, like we said at the top of the show, the Nuggets let go of the rope, but this is a quality opponent. Like this is a team that could absolutely be in the finals that the Celtics beat today. And I I think there's I think that's probably the the biggest buoyant like hope for me and the biggest takeaway from this game is that the Celtics actually beat a good team.
2: Definitely. Because when you look at their other five wins, when Tom says that they've won five out of the past six, it's the Rockets, mm-hmm. the Hornets, the Knicks and the wolves that took over time. And now you add the nuggets to that and that I feel like is way more impressive. If you just looked at what Tom originally said, four out of the last five, it's like, okay, like, I don't know how yeah. impressive that actually is, but I agree, this one was, more notable compared to the rest. And and I think it just adds to something that at least Geno Time has been talking about and just recalibrating the expectations for the Celtics. Like I know Sam's ready to launch them into the top tier championship contender. Absolutely. Yes. I think we have been keeping them maybe a little bit too low and now they're just sort of reaching their equilibrium of a middling basketball team that's going to get the four or five seed, going to have a competitive first round matchup and going to have a puncher's chance, whoever they play with the top three seeds, but they still will be like the underdog and probably lose. They're definitely not the play in team, the seventh, eighth seed that I think we maybe thought them out to be not too long ago
0: being as uh, objective as possible. I really do believe that they're like, they. I think that they and the Heat are in the same boat, where both of those teams, I think, are quality-wise above the rest of those other teams. And you're probably a step down from those top three at the top of the Eastern Conference. So, and I think we're going to see that come playoff time. I think both of those teams you know, have playoff experience. I think both of those teams have more playoff experience than the Milwaukee Bucks, (laughs) you know, or or the 76ers for that matter. Like, or, you know, even the Nets is currently constructed. So I don't know. I I think that there is, while those teams are beat up, you know, I, I think that the Celtics are still kind of, I think, I think what I trust about the Celtics once they get into the playoffs, even though the mental fortitude has come and gone. This is a team that I think understands since Jason Tatum and, you know, Jalen Brown have been there that they are kind of the gatekeepers of the Eastern conference. You need to go through the Celtics to, you know, win, you know what I'm saying? Weird Kyrie season, you know, notwithstanding, I, you know, you know, I, I think that that pride is going to like come out and I know that the Sixers were hurt last year and you know, they swept us in the regular season and we swept them right back in the playoffs, but you know, there was no Ben Simmons. I don't know. I'll believe the Sixers will win that matchup when I see it. I think there's a lot of history there. And I think that's a real thing when it comes to especially the playoffs and seeing a team again and again and again and again, you know, scheming wise. Like, I don't think Brad Stevens is going to let Jalen Brown get cooked by Tobias Harris on nine street possessions or whatever it was in that game. Like uh, some said so there will be an adjustment in a playoff series.
2: Sam, I am curious for your take on the Brad Stevens commentary this season, because I know sometimes you mm. have gotten frustrated with some of Brad's lineup decisions. Yes. But
0: Very
2: much so. <laughs> I, I'm curious for your take on how he's been doing this season.
0: I'm probably too hard on him. I'm not happy. I mean, a lot of this, I've got a lot of ire rollover. I mean, I'm a fan first and foremost. You know, it's hard for me to really separate out analysis. I was extremely frustrated that the Celtics lost the Eastern Conference Finals last year to a team I really think was quite inferior. And I, I think it was largely on the back of A, Bam, B, Goran's shot making. But Eric Spolster just absolutely pantsing Brad when it came to coverages and making adjustments and stuff like that. So that was tough on me. And, you know, the Celtics not doing well this year, I probably carried over a lot of that ire um, onto Brad. It's probably not really Brad's fault. I do think that Brad has a hard time, you know, speaking from no knowledge, just like looking at things on the outside. I think he has a hard time politically, which is why I think getting rid of Daniel Tice was part of this. I think he wants to play the vets and kind of reward guys for doing what needs to be done and guys who have been around the team and kind of rewarding seniority maturity, where he does get away from playing these young guys who are more talented and quite clearly better. I mean, as we've, we've seen, like, you know, semi, God bless his heart, but like, why? Why is, why is, why? Why? Why <laughs> like, you know, and Javante Green, I love Javante Green. I think he did some great things, especially with the Celtics were shorthanded or, you know, to a, a greater extent, Jeff Teague. Okay. Like Danny Ainge literally had to banish Jeff Teague to like stop <laughs> Brad Stevens from like playing him. I think that that's been Brad's big, you know, that, I think that's been the fair criticism of Brad is I think those rotations are rough. And I do think the read and react offense, I um, I would like to see a more cogent, you know, offensive system. And I have for a couple of years now, but I think this is just a weird season. Um, and I don't think, a lot of this is really on Brad's shoulders. I mean, this is just a tough situation. The Celtics, I mean, we know the COVID numbers. We know about the Celtics being at the top of the league when it comes to COVID absences. There's no continuity, you know, like you've got these young guys who are your your best players on the team. You've got all sorts of weird stuff. You know, you're under the microscope. You you know, you've had a, a bad season. I don't think Brad is... I think we're a long way from whatever the hospital Celtics year was, 2017, the year they were in the Eastern Conference. I thought Brad Stevens should have won coach of the year that year, the year that Dwayne Casey won it. You know, and I I think it's clear now that he's not like a true like top five coach. You know what I'm saying? He's not really like moving the needle for you. But I think he's a good coach, you know, Um, and I don't think this season is like really his fault you can fire Brad Stevens. I don't think that there's anybody out there that you're going to hire who's going to do a better job than Brad Stevens did in this situation. You know, that's the main thing, but I, I just think he's, he's been all right. This has largely not been his fault this season, though. If they lose to the heat again, I might, I might go down there and blackmail Danny into firing him on the spot. I might just start going through mail, looking for incriminating evidence, you know, doing any of these things. Cause I cannot take another loss to the Miami heat. I really can't. <laughs> For
1: sure. I have two things that I wanted to say on this. Geno, time has obviously been a very doomer podcast. And I, I think our, I think our other guard takes held up relatively well for much of the season, but Celtics are playing a lot better. So the two things I will say, obviously we brought on Sam who believes the Celtics are contenders and are going to win the NBA championship. True, um, yeah.
0: Write it down, mark <laughs> it. Everyone, if you listen to this podcast and retweet it, I will give you $400 if you do not, if the Celtics do not win the championship this year. So that's right. Geno time, um, you know. Geno time. Retweet the podcast. Tell your friends. Every one of those is a chance to win another four hundred dollars. I'll give out eight hundred if you do this. Uh, rules and uh, regulations terms do apply um, to that offer. will win the title. So, but the two things,
1: I, I, I'm serious now. The two, the two like positive things that I will say about this team. You guys touched on it a bit. I think part of the the goal, I think, for the Celtics should be to not. Don't think about like this season entirely, like exclusively. Like think about next season. Think about building some momentum. This is probably going to be the team next year. They're gonna have to bring back Evan Fournier somehow. This is probably what the team is going to look like next season. And if you're the Celtics, I think it is important to build some like good chemistry, build some build some good vibes, you know, go, going into next year. Like get that four seed, be competitive in the playoffs. Like I think those things do matter. And I will also say one of the one of the counters to our doomerism. Has been well, but if you get to the playoffs and you're healthy, other teams might not be. And the way the Celtics are playing now, they are playing like a team that actually could take advantage of that, rather than the team they were earlier this season. Like earlier this season, they were, I, I don't care who's out there; like they're probably going to lose anyway. Um, but now it's like, okay, yeah, like if, you know, if there is an injury, if there are, you know, circumstances somewhere else and the Celtics are in a good position, sure. Like I could honestly see them, you know, doing some things if they're playing like they have since the break. So those two things are, are, are the, the two counters that I would have to my former self, one of the, one of the three very doomer members of Genotype.
3: No, that's such an important counter because every time we spoke about, well, there could be injuries and well, I mean, like, it doesn't matter. Like it does this team isn't a team that has shown me that they can take advantage of that. The last stretch or really post trade deadline, they've become a team that's taken advantage of other teams' mistakes, taken advantage of other teams' weaknesses, which they did not do before the All-Star break, like at all. That's a major change of pace. And is a very, like you said, very important counter to our doomerism, and I think that should be noted, as you did.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's like actual reasons to be optimistic now, and I feel like it was difficult to find those.
0: Yeah.
1: Previously, like
2: Evan Fournier still has not really played with the Celtics, so.
0: And the oh. times
1: he did, he looked good.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Sam, what is your new Twitter account?
0: Well, uh, it's uh, nice, Sheen. Uh, it's actually my girlfriend's account. She's a girl. So you can see on the AVI that um, I didn't
3: even realize yet.
0: It's, it's an NBA girl. She's, she's my girlfriend. It's someone different from me because of the Twitter rules and regulations I couldn't have. You know, it's not my Twitter account. I, I can't go back on Twitter since I've been suspended. So, you know, it's a different person. It's someone, someone different from me. It's a girl. It's, I got to stress this enough. It is her. She's an NBA girl. Um, she's clearly different from me. I'm a boy. If you look at the AVI, it's a girl. It's not me. Luckily, that's the only account uh, I have now is my girlfriend's account. I don't have any others that I maintain at all.
1: It'd be weird if I had like three or four. Can you imagine if you just like
0: tweeted like a beat writer for a while? Uh, I would never, <laughs> I would never, I would never insult the, the diligent process of beat writing. That even wouldn't even be a good account because, as we all know, people who cover the NBA never say anything stupid. So uh, <laughs> they would never do anything like that. Uh, Talk about their act score, um, <laughs> get a Twitter fight. So no, nothing, nothing weird like that. Never say yeah. that like Anthony Edwards's uh, dunk wasn't cool because the stat line was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just normal people, regular guys, regular guys.
1: All right, guys. Well, we will leave it there. Um, you can find uh, Sam on Hinge. You definitely cannot find him on Twitter. Um, My girlfriend
0: is nice, she, and You know, you can tweet at her and she'll, she'll
1: show me the tweets. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, th- thank you to uh, everybody who's listening. Feel free to leave us any uh, questions, comments, or concerns in the DMs, and we will talk to you all again soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings